Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhardt. It is Solar Coaster time. Episode 85 here, Jay. Uh, this is a kind of a, a special show in some respects because we're kind of moving away from the kind of the solar thing, but also kind of moving towards it. I mean, we're talking about baby stars here. Oh, yeah, this is this is kind of framing where solar fits in the overall scheme of human energy production yeah. <laughs> for the next century. So this show is about fusion and about the Eater Project. Did I pronounce that correctly, Jay? Yeah, I've been saying Eater forever. I apologize to all the, <laughs> the Eater people. <laughs> is Eater, uh, uh, but that is that is the large fusion energy project happening in France as we speak. Uh, hopefully not right now because it's like one o'clock in the morning there. But <laughs> well, yeah, and it's uh, this uh, Mark Andrew Henderson is a physicist from Eater uh, and pretty remarkable Correct. guy. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be able to speak with him soon. Uh, he's in transit right now. We're gonna catch him on it as he lands and, and get get a conversation going about what uh, the Eater project is about and where it's at and the timeline. And what I'm kind of most interested in, is in understanding is how does this relate to our new understanding of the, of the timeline of climate change and what we're doing now in the renewable energy space. Uh, how do these kind of three, uh, I look at it as these three kind of, you know, timelines running against one another. I mean, how do we, how do they fit together? Um, you know, we haven't heard yeah. very much. Or, from or if, if they fit together, that's the kind of the question. I mean, what do we have to do to make them fit? Right, right. So uh, lot to learn here. Uh, you and I spent a lot of time on the website and there's an amazing movie called, uh, was it uh, Let There Be Light? Is that the name of the movie, Jay? Yep, um, correct. We rented that on Vimeo uh, last night. Uh, really kind of amazing uh, movie, and so we're going to get a chance to learn all about um, this just unbelievable uh, concept here. So let's jump right into our news and events, uh, do our housekeeping, get into our news and events, and hopefully we'll uh, be able to jump in and talk to uh, Mark Henderson shortly. Sound Excellent. good? Okie doke. Here we go. Okay, hey. folks, we are the Solar Coaster, a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Kaoi 1110 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. We've got a great website. Yep, www.solar-coaster.com. You can listen live there. Uh, check out all the pictures of images and places we've been. Uh, we have a blog tab that sometimes works. It links to our Facebook, but you can go right to our Facebook as well at Solar Coaster. Uh, and, of course, you can get on the mailing list down the bottom of the page, on that front page. Uh, if you also want to ask a question, this is a call-in show, by the way. Uh, 242-7800 is the call-in line. But if you... Um, want to ask a question you can't call in during our normal show hours send it in on the, the request form in the mailing list and we'll get your question on air we're also available on podcast networks itunes stitcher and tune in all carry the solar coaster just go type in solar coaster all one word a little yellow sc logo pops right up and you can load us up on your devices and take us anywhere you go Absolutely. We've got some great sponsors that have kept Solar Coaster on air for 85 episodes. Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Uh, we also got a couple of new sponsors that are kind of uh, in the wings right now, ready to jump on board. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, solidify those relationships for the beginning of 2019. We look forward to that. So, um, okay, so it's time for news and events. Jay, what do you say? News and events right away. Um, this is one I want to ask you a bit about. So Canadian Solar's company um, that we've talked a lot about, they're actually yeah. quite large, has sold 20% um, interest in a 300, almost 400 um, megawatt project in Brazil. Um, what I understood is that they had previously sold this interest, uh, at like 80% of it, to um, EDF Renewables. And so now they're selling the other 20%. Is that right? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I guess it looks like they're they're exiting the project in some way, and this is not uncommon, right? I mean, they're just they're not necessarily they're the solar they're a solar manufacturer that's been listed on the Nasdaq, I, I think, for about since 2006. So they're super bankable as far as solar companies go, and uh, you know they're out there probably doing lots of other things. Uh, one of those things are owning assets uh, like big solar farms in other environments like Brazil, right? Uh, the, you know what I found interesting about this article here was that this is uh, about 1.2 million. Uh, Modules, pretty large system for for anywhere, but for Brazil in particular, and uh, the the modules are actually manufactured in Brazil. These Max Power CS6UP modules manufactured in São Paulo. I've been to São Paulo many times, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it, the the nature of doing business in Brazil is such that they tend to favor domestic manufacturing policies. It's really difficult to import stuff without getting uh, just banged with really high tariffs. So um, you know that seems to be the Sounds strategy. Sounds familiar, right? Right. Well, it's way <laughs> way worse over the years there. You know, in terms of that. But uh, yeah, it looks like you know Canadian Solar is a manufacturer. It doesn't look like their product is being used in that. They're just exiting a massive, you know, really really large solar farm down in Brazil. And what's interesting about this also is the the language, and they discuss the company that does own those assets down there. Um, <clears throat> it's the P Pirapora Solar Complex in Minas Gerais. Uh, consists of three solar plants, uh, quite a bit, and they're talking about how they've got a big pipeline of projects down there in Brazil, and uh, things are looking quite positive. So I thought that was kind of cool. Hmm. Excellent. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's fantastic to see these large projects going up and coming online. That was that was the big takeaway for me is that these are actually coming online in a country that wasn't necessarily really didn't seem to be doing a lot. So wasn't doing a lot in Kudos. solar, a lot, lot, lot in renewables. Uh, you know, these kind of this kind of paradox in this whole renewable energy conversation, right? I mean, remember before we read that they were second in renewable energy jobs. Remember that metric? That was a while back, right? Right. However, right. They were, that was a long time ago. Yeah. However, they were really um, small or a relatively a small amount of deployed solar, like uh, 100 megawatts or something in the beginning of 2016, and then up right. To and this and this and this one this one install is close to 400. So it's it's absolutely so, dwarfing their so previously installed capacity. So it's, yeah, so it's ramping. Yeah. They're doing a lot there, and you know that's um, yeah, it's good. I'm, it's obviously really important. This is Brazil, as as Brazil goes, so does the rest of South America in some respects. So, sure, absolutely. All right, let's take a look at next, this next one. Next, next up, I like this a lot. Uh, PV Magazine just is partially a publishing a two-part article is the solar power you're in review um oh, yes. it is sometimes scathing it's it's it focusing on the negative i was i was a little disappointed that it's like all negative all negative all negative you know between tariffs uh musk's 40 million dollar tweet you know they bring up all this stuff it's been one hell of a year they say right yeah right and that's absolutely absolutely not true uh, absolutely not untrue um well, so what's the first tariffs. sentence here, Jay, right? What's the first sentence? It says, there's a reason it's called the solar coaster, our namesake, right? So the, the, that's, that's, yeah, right. that's the flavor of what they're talking about, the ups and downs, the volatility of the yeah. industry. Uh, but yeah, number one, they jump right into tariffs and rumors of tariffs. You know, the, um, and then they go into uh, the impacts of those tariffs. You know, from a, we, know, we know just from our last, last week's show, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Jay, if you want to just jump in any more no too. But the, um, from last week's show, we, we, we talked about how the tariffs on steel and aluminum and other components and Doug McLeod was in the uh, in the studio with us confirming this it's not just the modules it's all the other um, balanced system equipment it's the um, the, the ground mount uh, you know uh, uh, materials uh, things like that that are going in that are all you know, together increasing the cost I think Doug it said something like it was possible it could be a north of a quarter uh, a watt, and we think in terms of price per watt in this industry, and in an industry right. with utility scale solar that is typically south of a dollar per watt installed. And I know in residential, they're like, "Wow, it's so much cheaper. Why is that the case?" But we're talking about massive systems, massive economies of scale. 
And uh, a quarter, it counts to a you know, huge uh, burden on those projects. And we saw just last week also that there were um, a, a, you know, a boatload, I forget the number at this moment, but of utility scale projects that really just didn't get built as a result of that, right? So, um, right. It's, 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 and it's, it, even in this article makes a point of saying that it's, it's, they're more put on hold as opposed to just outright canceled mm -hmm. uh, because those two tar the tariffs do scale down. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right that they, under Section 323, the aluminum and steel, uh, tariffs are, are a huge, huge um, per, just weight on on everything in the industry. <laughs> it's a it's a burden. I love that they use the word pugnacious yeah. trade action of the Trump administration. Thank you for using that friend sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes, uh, yes. Number number two in this article is uh, is is particularly interesting. I think because it talks about the um, the impact of. Uh, domestic manufacturing as a result of the tariffs, right? So, it, sure, sure. And they, and they kind of come back and they say, if there was one thing that both market analysts and SIA, uh, you know, our, our compatriots over there, were sure about, it was that following Section 201 tariffs, there would not be substantial new manufacturing in the United States. A year later, they're wrong, according to this article. Okay, you know, this, this I take issue with. They're not wrong. <laughs> well, because this is what, assembly versus cell manufacture or job quantities, yeah, these yeah, kinds of things you're talking cell, about? It's the cell manufacturing. Yeah. The, yeah. The cells, cells are still subject to the tariff. These are only module manufacturing plants. So we have the, we have the Hanwha Q cells in Georgia. We have First Solar in Ohio. LG mm. building a plant in Alabama. Jinko in Florida. And Mission Solar in Texas. These are all plants that are, are here in the United States, but they're simply taking the cells that were manufactured overseas and slapping them in a frame. Mm. So it's not, and that's still subject to tariff. So we're not avoiding the tariffs in well, any way. Was, was, I, you know, I have to look back on this, actually. Wasn't there some kind of an exemption play in relationship to setting up domestic manufacturing plants? So it, it may be related to that, but I mean, the bottom line is these these are kind of like gaming the tariffs, right? And it probably isn't yeah. a long-term manufacturing a win or ad for the United States. That seems to be the case, uh, at least at this stage. Well, no, if anything, like I said, the tariffs decline every year. And so in the, in the end, they're not really going to need these. And it's so it's unclear how long these factories will be profitable is what right. it says and it's right. absolutely correct you know, yeah it, it's it's expensive it, it is expensive to manufacture in the united states um if, if we're not willing to bear that burden then we have no right to complain but, but um, <laughs> what we should be looking at is domestic manufacturing uh, with uh, Andre uh, Richter from Meyer Berger with his smart wire and microclimate specific PV panels. That is that kind makes of an sense exciting because area. that actually does give you additional capacity right for your local your local distribution network. Are we missing the boat here? Is this the time to set up domestic manufacturing, Jay, of PV panels? In, in, in Hawaii? Let's see what we can do. Yeah, it sounds like fun. All right, all right. So number they have three, they have three more um, points here. One was investors get comfortable with solar power. And they're talking about how, you know, large-scale utility um, uh, projects as well as commercial, industrial, and then packaged residential projects are all getting uh, investment grade. What was the term they used? Um, uh, basically, in investment grade funds. They're, 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 it's it's becoming more bankable, right? Uh, and it's kind of yeah, common yeah, now. absolutely. The big 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 funds, um, retirement fund type type investments are all actually interested. And these these are funds that have trillions of dollars uh, behind them. So when when these guys move, it's slow, but then there's there's an awful lot of money, and that they're they're now taking a look at this as, as a serious business model in some Did place you, that can be 
Yeah. Did you see that? Invest, little... Investments can be positive. Did you see that 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 sentence at the NJ the wall, the solar project wall of money problem? <laughs> like, money. It had a great imagery, man. I love it. So and I actually clicked on yeah. that and read the other link, and they were talking about how there's more money available and more tax equity available right now. Uh, going after these kinds of projects, then there are projects. <laughs> so that's sure. that's interesting. Sure. Money's sitting there going, please use me, please use me. And Solar's going, hang on a second, got to figure out how to build these things. I mean, it's, I, I thought it was just an interesting uh, little way to look at it. <laughs> well, so it's less, it's, it's uh, building them, we can build it, but they actually leveraging it correctly. I mean, that's the problem. Where, where does it make sense to build them? Because if you build it and it's not optimal, I mean, you're, you're, you're just losing money. Mm. Mm. In that respect, right? Mm. Okay. Anyways. And then for, Elon, yep, Elon, Elon Musk's Musk, yeah. forty million dollar tweet. Um, eh. Eh. <laughs> what, what, what else can what else can we say? I don't know what to say. I do I do like that um, one former short seller. While everyone is focused on Elon smoking weed, he is quietly smoking the whole automotive industry. Is that what it said? Uh, that, that, was, that, <laughs> where, that was an interesting that was an interesting quote. Where did it say um, that? I didn't catch does, that. It, Quite rich. The last sentence in the article. It's excellent. It's actually, oh, that's there actually it is. That's taking off another, another conversation. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Um, and and it's kind of true. You know, Tesla is the only one everybody's talking about right now, as far as as electric vehicles. Still in in the mass market, right? We all know we all know that there's a whole lot of other players. Things coming up. We're actually going to go into uh, for our future focus yeah. a new player in that space. But um, but for the most part, when you think electric vehicles, everybody thinks Tesla these days. And so that's that's a huge amount of market credibility absolutely yeah absolutely i'm actually just posting up that little quote from <laughs> from <laughs> from musk you, right now. you I like that even, entirely too i much. can't i all cannot right. help myself that is awesome okay what's the next one all right Ener energy storage and then i think that that's it 2018 will go down as the year that energy storage really became viable uh we see a lot of new products coming out um, they're all actually being installed in places instead of just laboratories and and there's just huge amount of storage solar makes sense when you have when you pair it with some kind of storage so you can time shift that energy you can use it when it's when it's um more expensive for for folks in uh, what do you call it rate scale locations right um all these things but the market for for energy storage has grown like by a factor of 10 this year mm. <laughs> mm. yeah yeah i mean um they kind of very quickly just summed up what we've been talking about the entire year you know which is that um solar looks a lot more attractive with storage and uh yeah and, absolutely and and the safety <clears throat> provides i mean if you're talking about hurricanes and, and severe weather events um storage again just makes a lot of sense you can keep your um okay energy <laughs> local okay this guy christian rosalind i guess he's the editor or john fitzgerald weaver he's just got all these great quotes he goes energy storage came back from summer camp tall and strong <laughs> What's this guy? There you He's go. That's me out, nice. Man. Nice yep. job. Nice job. Couple to those guys. Kudos. Kudos. Excellent. Kudos. <laughs> good, good. Good stuff. All right. What's the next one, Jay? <laughs> oh, contrary to that. Okay. Rooftop, rooftop solar remains marginal in America. Now, this is an economist, oh, economist. article all about how um, solar in, and rooftops is just not making severe inroads. It's it's just it's it's kind of flatlined. And I do see this. I mean, it makes it makes sense that. Um, with NEM, a lot of states and exiting kind of the NEM thing in certain areas, it's just being really difficult to get solar. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors weighing against it. 
Yeah, you know what I found out about like the I'm, I'm a fan of the Economist and I'm I have a subscription and you know it, it's it, in typical Economist kind of style they took a fairly complex issue and just walked you through it in two or three pages I, I thought really really responsibly you know and um, they they uh, they basically just uh, you know all the core issues that you're dealing with here they kind of made it you know you know pretty straightforward I thought um, you know and and of course we've gone through this you know ramp up of of, um, of rooftop solar that is kind of plateauing to a certain degree in terms of the overall amounts you know in in the country there's a lot there was a lot of utility scale kind of like you know filling in those gaps uh, the last year or so um, you know it's just uh, they 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 basically have called out they they do talk also about how it's it is um, it tends the upfront costs uh, tend to uh, you know impact who's able to embrace this who's able to take advantage of it you know and that it's kind of still a higher income demographic right okay so is that all, right. that all we got for that one um, <clears throat> what is solar back by blackbone that was interesting um, so yeah New York City is adding 50 new uh, solar carports for its electric cars. Now, this is, these are actually government vehicles. So there's thir currently 37 already scattered around the city um, in New York. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they can actually generate enough enough electricity to charge an, uh, like a utility vehicle for the city that should be moving around quite a bit, right? Um, they have 1,700 electric vehicles that will be charging at these things. And uh, so yeah, they, there, just, they just keep adding more sites. You know, what What I got out of this article is how little there was in it. I mean, this might be like three or four paragraphs. I thought it was interesting that they were doing solar carports for EV charging, but they didn't talk at all about, you know, the, how they're doing it and the nature of the systems and how big they are and where they're positioned and what types of vehicles that they're actually charging. You know, it, it just... Well, we'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to research that one. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, there's all, you know, New York was kind of on my mind because Cuomo, I think, just had suggested or just pledged for 100% uh, clean energy uh, mandate for the city of New York, New York, right? In, the, in in whatever period of time, in the next X period of time. So that was, you know, as I saw actually, that, it's actually pretty short. I thought it was like 2037 or something. It was, it was a short line. It's almost like these uh, these politicians and these you know these fellows that are running the cities and the and the and the states across the country are almost starting to compete for more and more aggressive renewable energy mandates. Yeah, yeah. right. It's you interesting that? that they pay they pay they, they pick a they pick a random year. We're going to do it by you know, research at all. We're just going to do this, and it'll, I'll do it sooner. I'll do it sooner. Exactly that. Well, because you have Hawaii <laughs> at 2045, you have um, California. Yep. I, I, sorry, it's not on top of my same. head right now, and it's, it's the same. And then, yep. but Colorado uh, went more aggressive, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think they were 2040. So now it's 2037. So now New York is 2037. The interesting thing is how they define clean energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure, sure, and, sure, and and. I mean, honestly, are they going to be able? Are they going to be pulling power from external sites? I mean, I don't think there's enough real estate in on on the on Long, Long Island to actually generate enough electricity for the city that that the city uses, right? I mean, they'd right. have to basically fill Central Park with PV. <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. I guess you. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't yeah. know that I don't think that will go over very well. Yeah, they're they're going to be looking at some kinds of solar farms offsite or something like that, or who knows, maybe maybe BIPV yeah. building integrated photovoltaics with all those cool skyscrapers. That'd be pretty exciting. Um, all right. Yeah, there you go. What else we got going on in the states? We're still on national, right? Yeah, we still are. New map powered AI reveals almost every solar panel in America. Um, this was really really interesting to me. This is cool. I love this. The, the AI. You turn AI onto 
some imagery and have it learn how to do something and you get a whole lot of data back. It was really cool. So they trained an AI system to look over satellite images mm-hmm. and, and find PV panels. I mean, that's, right. that's cool. That's cool in and of itself, but they actually found way more than they thought there would be. <laughs> so there's uh, 1.4 estimated 1.4 million solar installs across the U S for 40. What was it? Uh, where was the number? Uh, it's too many panels. There's a huge 47 million solar panels. So a ton of pa- of actual panels across the 48 lower lower 48. They didn't do Hawaii, unfortunately. Um, so that's re- that's really interesting stuff. And then they actually went down and dug into where these panels were. So you can actually see geographically and kind of economically mm. where these panels fit. Right. So yeah. they one of the images here actually shows. Um, Boston area, which mm-hmm. is interesting to me because I grew up in that area. Um, and I have solar installations in the eastern part of Massachusetts, despite equal levels of solar radiation, oh, you see higher income areas in Worcester and Lowell having greater levels of solar installed than the lower income areas of Boston. Um, yes and no. I see that the areas that they're highlighting as lower income are also like supremely urban, which we know you can't just go right. in and, and slap enough panels on a, on a condo to generate power for the folks inside. It just doesn't work that way. You need something like community solar to make it work. And so it makes sense that you're not going to see a huge amount of solar in a, a, a supremely urban area. Sure, like that. sure, sure. And they, and they got pretty granular on this as well. There's another image there from, a, a, it's called Deep Solar Map, right, in Las Vegas. And it quite, you know, quite granular, these little sections, almost looks like blocks, it almost looks like the, the Las Vegas Strip right there. I don't know if, it's, if I'm imagining it. But, uh, you know, you can see they, they, the dark squares are where there's more solar and the lighter squares there's less solar. So they did a heck of a job at showing kind of where the adoption, I guess, of those solar systems uh, is across the country, state by state, county by county, and then even down to, what is it? They used uh, images about 100 feet by 100 feet. So we're getting a real kind of um, little snapshot of what's going on with solar uh, deployment across the country. I dig it. Excellent. All right, all right. Okay. So um, You want to you take the next one? I'm, I'm what is the next one, Jay? That's the question. What is the next one? Let's see here. Florida, Florida Light and Power. Oh, yes. Florida Light and Power. Let me grab that. Hang on one second. There he is. There he is. So this is actually, um, yeah. I whenever first of all it's FPNL right so whenever I see FPNL I go ah something sketchy is gonna come let's let's figure out what it is right and um, you know Florida Power and Light uh, that you know in Florida there's been general hostility towards uh, the ownership of solar it seems to be the case uh, I think it's well accepted that's what's going on down there uh, maybe it's changed maybe it isn't but there, there's this title here it's in the SunSentinel.com so that's a, a local uh, a, a periodical it looks like right down in Florida and it says FPL plans to offer solar subscription to homeowners and commercial customers. But, you know, the devil's in the details with this, right? It looks like a community-based solar project of some sort. But when you get into it, the the, the economics of it just don't, they're, they're not illustrated at all. So it says you can basically buy into it and you pay a certain amount. And then over time, you should be, you, maybe it, it could be an investment and you could actually get yeah, some they, kind they, of Yeah, they're going to give you some kind of credit that's, that's reflective of the actual generation. So over time, you'll get your money back is what I understood. And that works all just fine, assuming that they actually take this money and invest it into solar installations. Uh, basically, I guess it sounds like they don't have the money to fund building out their solar by themselves, so they're asking for, for their, their users to, to pony up for it. 
<laughs> right. I guess that's a way to do it. Um, yeah, really. Um, it's, it's an unusual approach to what looks like some form of community solar. But they don't use the term community solar, so I, I, you know, I don't know if there's some fundamental because, because difference. It's, because it's not. I mean, <clears throat> usually community solar is a private thing where you can you you buy into a certain percentage of ownership, which is like a really small percentage, but it's still a percentage of ownership. Mm -hmm. This is not. You're, you're basically buying a the solar service ah, from the utility. That's the Florida distinction. Light, Florida Power and Light is going to continue to own these assets ah, forever. That's the distinction. You so, know, the reason so I chose so this, not, Jay, is that I put it up um, as a post earlier in the, week on, in the week on LinkedIn, and it got a lot of play. Like four or five people shared it, and maybe you know half a dozen people liked it or you know, whatever they do on LinkedIn. And I was like, why are people into this? Because my network is all solar people, right? So it's probably that language, the subscription versus like the uh, the actual you know uh, ownership model for community based. So we'll have to dig deeper into this, but yeah. I, I just the, the the general lack of transparency and how the economics play out is is a big red flag. It sound yeah, it sounds slightly sketchy, and there's a lot of people looking at this right now because un unfortunately Florida was also the focus of another. Um, questionable policy <laughs> decision before and that was, was actually voted down but there was which one was that there was, there, there, was some, there were some bills up uh previously um for in in florida where they were they were extremely anti-solar but but spun as oh yeah oh yeah i got calls from friends down there saying hey josh what does this mean and i actually got i, I got bamboozled by it I, I read it and i go oh it looks pro-solar but in actuality it was not it was the opposite yeah you know so there was yep. a little bit of a dialogue there it's unbelievable what it goes on yeah so 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 every, everything they do is going to be under a microscope going forward <laughs> guaranteed right. right 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 well let's nice 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 thing is duke energy is actually um the other the other large utility in florida is actually looking at putting together a similar kind of kind of project and if it is legit then more power to them i think it's a great way to go I mean, get get some more solar on the grid out there where the sun is plentiful yes absolutely absolutely um so shall we shift on over to hawaii jay let's, um, we we are about halfway through let's go to commercial and um we'll go to do hawaii after that okay sounds good aloha and welcome to maui solar project it is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org Tsubuchi Electric. A leading worldwide inverter manufacturer presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Batter Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. 
MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Alrighty, those were our great sponsors. Thank you very much uh, for keeping the solar coaster on air for a year and a half now, Jay. Uh, can you hear been me? Okay? Rolling. It's been has it been more than a year and a half now? Oh, <laughs> uh, that yeah. Well, we're gonna we're going into our we're going into our our second uh, next week. Actually, on the twenty eighth, we're going to uh, do our uh, year in review in a sense for the solar coaster. Go through the highlights, the cool things that we learned. You know, when we think about the solar coaster, a lot of that going on this time of year. But yeah, which, <laughs> it's, it's it's helpful to reflect on what has actually occurred. Um, so, as an update for everybody waiting for our our special guest. Uh, we knew that we were cutting this tight. He was on a flight from Paris to Dublin, has now arrived, but hasn't been able to get to the hotel yet. So we don't have any connectivity. Uh, we're waiting on that. So we're going to continue to do the news and uh, we'll get there when we can. Yeah. And we'll jump over. If we want to jump over a little bit into Eider, we possibly uh, can. Eater, I should say, right? Uh, we possibly yeah, can too. Just because I learned a little bit about that um, over the course of a lot. Watching the movie was amazing. And uh, his Q&A and some of these conferences were was really amazing. So maybe we have an opportunity to talk about that too. So let's jump back into Hawaii and uh, we can look at what's going on with NSYNC. These are kind of a, a favorite. I mean, we tend to get a lot of, uh, of discussion about NSYNC because they just do so much. Uh, in Hawaii. Um, so they have a new, um, I mean, they've done so many PPAs over the last couple of years, I can't even keep track of them, Jay. You know, this one here from mm -hmm. Solar Power World, NSYNC is installing its smart home solar plus storage system for 134 unit housing development in Hawaii. So um, this is, uh, yeah, where is this? This is I mean, this is in Kauai. It's in actually. Kauai. I, it? I, I, I heard about this one as well, yeah. Um, so it's absolutely fascinating and there's some really interesting things in here because they're using a dc link to network the homes with other residences this so this is, is crazy a microgrid <laughs> this is this is a true microgrid it's something we couldn't do in the county of maui with current legislation but they're allowed to do it um out there well i think they, they <laughs> must be doing it remember it looks like the way they've got this this hits the issue of wheeling right and it seems yep. to me that these um, these these developments are getting around that because they're working on one TMK, one tax map key, one actual piece of real estate typically, right? So the, the issue of wheeling is you can't transfer energy back and forth between um, different parcels of real estate. Is that correct, Jay? That's, that's the, the gist of it, right? 
Correct. You're not allowed to sell from one TMK to the other. Right. So in, in this case, uh, NSYNC, NSYNC is a, a large player that had been funding projects all across Hawaii over the last couple of years. I've met a lot of their senior staff uh, as well as their subsidiary uh, leadership, Holu Energy. And, um, you know, they're out here. They're, they're funding projects. They're building projects. They great, great engineering capability. Uh, and, uh, and and they've just, and they, I mean, they may have done like 20 projects over the last couple of years, and not small ones, like big ones, right? So this is another one, but one, the, this, this is the second, I think, that they did like this, which is particularly interesting from a technical perspective, because now they're creating energy, they're storing energy, and they're exchanging it between the uh, the different units, if I understand correctly here, right? So this DC link is pretty pretty unprecedented. I haven't seen this anywhere else yet. Um, well, I mean, there are a couple of the other, uh, what is it, the, the high zero carbon footprint kind of uh, new construction uh, on the mainland uh, groups have been doing have been doing similar stuff. But I don't know if they are. I mean, the, the closest one that comes to mind is the Sonin one, right? And like, they well, have their yeah, their, yeah, but it's like that's like VP. but it's but it's but it's a but it's a credit system across regular AC transmission lines. This is truly. A massively linked DC to DC. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> I mean, this is 516 kilowatts of rooftop solar, 603 kilowatt hours yep. of energy storage, right? And they have 23 buildings. Okay, so and they're moving this power back and forth uh, via DC, if I understand correctly, right? That's what the DC yep. link implies. Yep. And that I just haven't seen before uh, because it's not a uh, using you know you're not using a third party transmission system. They're they're exec they're basically putting together their own community microgrid and they're exchanging energy back and forth as it's needed. Uh, I, I mean, it's just amazing stuff. This is like the future. This is like future focused stuff almost. Yeah, this, this is now. this is truly the future focused kind of stuff, but it's happening right now in Hawaii, uh, thanks to Holo Energy and NSYNC. Um, so the neat thing about this is that it really helps the utility too, because you have one single connection out of this subdivision, this, this complex, um, to the utility. And because all the units are kind of trading energy in between them, it balances out. So someone comes home, someone leaves, someone else leaves, you have 320 units in there, it, it all kinds of comes out as a nice flat line for the utility. And yeah, there's still general trends where people leave during the day to go to work and come home in the evening. Uh, but but if someone comes home for lunch and fires up the, the microwave and uses a whole lot of energy, it doesn't really affect the, the, the utility at all. It's basically just a flat line, which is really, really easy to deal with from their perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I, I think this comes down to economics, too. They talk a little bit about the housing shortage, the housing crisis that we have out here. Uh, and if we can, you know, uh, mitigate the costs of, of energy, which is really significant, you know, then it can make uh, housing more affordable and to, it kind of just create some solutions for that particular uh, problem. So very good. Very good. NSYNC, I really like these guys. I think they've been doing amazing work. And uh, I, I'm sure we're going to continue to see more projects like this moving forward. All right. So what else is going on, Jay? Here in Maui, we're um, kind of uh, in, in an interesting spot with the Maui Energy Conference, no longer the Maui Energy Conference, but the Hawaii Energy Conference. Got to give Doug McLeod, a longtime contributor and friend at the Solar Coaster, some props and a shout out here. He uh, was on the show actually last week, and um, it looks like they, the Maui Energy Conference is growing, right? I mean, what, what's going on here? 
Okay. Well, in any case, the, the Maui Energy Conference is uh, is turning into looks like the Hawaii Energy Conference, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, they're in their sixth year, and um, the, the sixth year is uh, they, they they've actually moved into this new term, kind of marking their um, capability of the the, the preeminent kind of uh, energy conference in Hawaii. But uh, yeah, so the Hawaii Energy Conference is pretty exciting, and uh, looks like uh, we're going to have uh, some. <coughs> extended uh, some new opportunities here. They're talking about the, um, the, the really great quote here, which was uh, the, the discussion about, uh, about construction and about clean energy and about this nexus. And I think he says, uh, this is the quote he read, the HEC will also tackle land use and development with its re- relationship to energy. Specifically, how can new housing developments be a catalyst for further clean energy gains? How do we bring together uh, government regulators, developers, energy producers, and the utility, and the community in a common uh, cause to create a clean energy housing construction nexus? I like that language quite a bit. And I'm really excited to see that um, that Maui Energy Conference is growing in that way. Let's see what else we got here. <laughs> okay, Jay, we got you there now? Yes. All righty, there he is, and uh, did, it looks like I see a caller in as well. So we're we back on. We're back online. We're back online. Yeah, yeah. So a little okay. technical difficulties there, but I'll, I'll I'll pass it over to you, Jay. It looks like we were fortunate. We do have our caller that's okay. online. Okay, we actually do have we do have a caller on the line, uh, just fresh out of immigration. <laughs> we have Mark, Mark Henderson from Eater the large fusion reactor project in France. We talked a little bit about fusion on the show, but I wanted to get this out of the way before the end of the year. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what fusion is and then what Eater's mission is, first of all? Okay. Okay, so my name is Mark Henderson, and as just had, I come from, from Eater. Fusion is um, the, the reaction that occurs in the sun. So the, the sun has been burning for about four or five billion years. Uh, sorry for the background noise because I'm at the airport. Um, and fusion is combining small atoms, basically hydrogen isotopes, and they give off a very large amount of energy. And that's in contrast to fission, where you take a very large uranium atom, you split it, and it gives off energy. And fusion, if you look, um, you guys are in Hawaii, you look out in the Pacific Ocean, you see every gallon of water, The there's a little bit of deuterium atom, a hydrogen isotope sitting in that water, and each gallon of water is equivalent to about 350 gallons of gasoline in energy content if we get fusion to work. So it's just it's an unimaginable amount of energy potential at our fingertips if we can just be able to control this reaction like in the sun. And what okay. Eater is trying to do is mimic that reaction. Excellent. Okay, so that's that's easy enough. When you start talking about nuclear anything, people generally uh, get a little concerned. Is is fusion and fission are fundamentally different? Is there any risk of, of significant radiation leaks or anything from from these activities? No. What's what's good about fusion is it's, it's fairly clean. The, mm-hmm. It is a nuclear reaction. I mean, we are combining two small atoms to make one big atom. But the, the reaction is something that's so difficult to maintain that there's not a risk of it blowing up or exploding. And the methodology to contain the, the material is fairly straightforward. The, the challenge is not um, making sure it's kept clean. The challenge is just making it work. And so we're working at temperatures 10 times hotter than the sun, which, which, which we can do. Uh, 
but it's it's a, a very clean reaction. Nice. Yeah, my my understanding was that if 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 containment ever failed, it would scorch the inside of the chamber, but you wouldn't have much more than that. Exactly. I mean, as soon as because it's so hot, as soon as it touches the sides of the wall, it actually cools off and the reaction stops. And so it's kind of a a self uh, breaking system. Where nice. in a in a fission plant, you, you you basically store all the energy inside of it. You have a bunch of uranium, and you try to continually prevent the reaction from going out of control. Right. And, and we're talking about about heating up water, <laughs> essentially. So if, if there is a meltdown of something, it's just water. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the water, it's the hydrogen no. isotope. Isotope. But it is, it is a, it's a very light gas. I mean, it's a very low density gas. Uh, but we are heating it up to, I mean, literally temperatures 10, 000, uh, 10 times hotter than the sun. So it's 150 million degrees Celsius, Yeah, which is well, kind of unimaginable, but... So, so how do you handle that material? I mean, it's super hot. You don't have anything that I know of man-made that will handle uh, those types of temperatures. How are you holding on to it? Right. What we're doing is it's in the state of a plasma. So if you take a, a solid, you heat it up, it turns into a liquid. You take a liquid, you heat it up, it turns into a gas. And then mm -hmm. when you heat a gas hotter, it turns into the fourth state of matter, which is called a plasma. And that's yep. what the sun is, the aurora borealis, and so on. And what we use is a, a magnetic field to trap the particles in place. And the magnetic field looks like a, a very large donut. Um, and, that, and that donut you know, traps the, these hot particles in place and forms kind of a bottle. And that holds this uh, gas at 150 million degrees Celsius and keeps it a few centimeters away from the wall's edge. So you're playing works. with force fields. Exactly. We, I mean, I mean, we have very, very, very strong magnetic fields. We use uh, superconducting magnets that creates these uh, nested magnetic flux surfaces that hold this gas in place. That's fantastic. I'm keeping it simple so that everybody can understand. Um, there are some issues. I, I've, I've read a lot of a lot of information about how long it's going to take, um, where ITER and and it's it's the subsequent reactor demo are going to be produced. What's the timeline for getting a, like a fusion reactor that we can actually hook up to the grid? I, I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to be done? Yeah, no, it's when are you going to be done? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's going to be after my retirement. The, okay. um, the, the, one of the problems is it depends on, on the money you put into it. I mean, if there, mm -hmm. if there was a large influx of funds, I think we could have a demo machine operating. That means one that is actually producing electricity in about a 30-year time frame. Uh, but the, the funds are not there. And, and that's partly because the politicians, as well as we who put the politicians in place, are more concerned about the short term. And we're not going to invest in a long-term solution or long-term things that last 20, 30, 40 years down the way. We're worried about the next two years. Peter um, is hopefully going to be online in about uh, seven, eight years. That'll be creating our first plasma. And it's going to take another 10 years on top of that before we actually go what we call DT, where we actually run it to, to make fusion energy. And keep in mind, this is either is a purely experimental reactor. We're trying to learn how this reaction works based on the many different tokamaks and different devices we've had in the past. And then from that knowledge, then we would build this thing called a demo reactor and actually generate electricity. And that would be typically 20, 30 years after 
we've learned everything we can from from either. So, Mark, I'm, when I'm right. thank, thank you very much, by the way, well. for for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And you know, when Jay mentioned to me yesterday that we were going to have this show, I got online, kind of furiously dug into Wikipedia and started to read through all the background of Fusion. And then, of course, you've got the the the, the movie that you've done, uh, Let There Be Light, right? That's available on Vimeo. I watched that this morning. Great, great, uh, great movie. Really, uh, wonderfully made. Um, you know, I'm trying to get a sense for how the big question yes. in my mind is: What is the timeline relationship, in your view, given the new, the recent um, announcement from the IPCC, as well as from the the federal government, the United States, uh, about climate change, climate change and fusion lined up together uh, from a timeline perspective? What does that look like uh, in your mind? I mean, are you starting to do that math? And then, how does how do renewable energies play a role in buying us more time to get to a point where we have this clean base load capability? to be you know per, for to be provided by fusion I mean are you looking at that math right now and what's what's your what's your guidance on that right okay the, the connection is really bad for some reason so I caught one out of every three or four words. I'm going to take a wild guess what your question is. <laughs> it's, it's basically what is the timeline to be able to put this Yeah, online? what's the what's the timeline well, in relationship to, to climate change and, and renewables and fusion yeah Okay. Unfortunately, I think fusion is coming a little bit late. Uh, that I don't think it is a solution for the near term. I think we have to uh, get off our addiction of carbon uh, fossil fuels. Uh, therefore, uh, fusion is going to be a solution for 50 years, 100 years down the road. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to have to adapt to other solutions such as um, solar panels, wind, geothermal waves. And I hate to tell you this, but I think fission uh, we have to use as well because uh, fossil fuels, we, we're burning, we're burning, we're burning, and we're, we're not taking any regards to the pollution that it takes. And we're going to kill ourselves off just by the global warming. Right. And, or, or we're going to drastically change our environment. And what we need to do is get off this addiction of fossil fuels and do whatever we can, find whatever solution we can to minimize our consumption of fossil fuels. And sometimes that takes um, bad solutions as well. <laughs> Look, yeah, um, and then you're, just the you're talking about fission. So, so fission is an important kind of bridge technology for fusion in, in kind of in, in conjunction with renewable, other renewable energy sources. That's what I'm hearing. Right, well, I wouldn't say that fission is, a, is needed to go to fusion. I think we need a little bit of fission just to be able to get off of our carbon addiction. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, we don't learn anything. We don't learn anything from the fission community to build a fusion reactor. Uh, it just keeps us from putting dumping too much CO2 into the environment. And you know, if you if you look at, we, we talk about uh, changing the environment, or changing our, our energy consumption on fossil fuels. Uh, we are not. Uh, we are consuming more and, and putting more CO2 in the environment than we've ever done. We're not decreasing our rate. And to me, it's, 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 it's uh, unbelievable that humanity can't have the foresight to realize we're not just polluting ourselves to death. Sorry to be bleak. No, no, it's no, it's, it's strong, important. Strong word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just what everybody needs to hear, honestly. Right. Um, so, so, so we talk about you talk about funding. I mean, if we get, if you can get everything working, what's what what does your funding currently look like, and and what do you need to make this happen? What what can we do to make this happen? 
Well, one thing I think you have to talk to your congressman um, mm-hmm. because it's 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 us who who dictate to the congressman what we how we spend money. Um, the surprisingly, Trump has actually been fairly supportive of uh, fusion research, and he, he's been increasing the fusion spending. But um, to make Eater, Eater is going to cost about somewhere between 10 and 20 billion. It's very difficult to give you the exact value because it's an in-kind procurement where we have seven parties. We have Japan, Russia, China, South Korea, India, Europe, and the U.S. contributing a fraction of the support to be able to build Eater. But they're not giving us in money. They're giving it to us in parts. Oh, in-kind. So yeah. I... I it's it purely in kind. So my system is, I mean, I have a, a huge high-power microwave system that heats the gas. It's, it's like your microwave oven in your kitchen, but each of my sources are about a thousand times more powerful. And I have sources coming from Japan, from Russia, from India, and from Europe to put that to, into, into my system and then heat the plasma. I would much rather have cash. But that's the way the politicians had decided to build it, and it's a little bit less efficient. Um, but to build Eater, it's going to cost in total about $10, $20 billion. With that knowledge, uh, it would probably take another 10 to $15 billion to build a demo machine to actually generate electricity. Sure. But, I mean, we are, we are talking about I – mean, this, is, this, is this is an endeavor that reminds me of, like, mankind deciding to go to the moon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, you look it at really that, is at that level, <laughs> right? It, it is, and uh, the most complex thing that mankind ever thinks uh, at this point in time. I mean, to me, it's more challenging than decoding the D, uh, the DNA. It's more challenging than putting someone on the moon. Um, if you look at the Apollo project at the time, it cost roughly about in today's dollar about 120 billion to put a man on the moon. And yeah. I just got my luggage off the conveyor belt, so I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. So the, so the uh, uh, $120 billion to put a man on the moon, which you know, was, a, was a major achievement. Uh, it, was, it was something for humanity to do back and say, wow, we've done something really enormous. But in reality, it doesn't change our lifestyle. Whereas fusion, which is you know, one-fifth one of the price or one-sixth of the price, would be able to give us a clean energy source for not just you know the next hundred years or the next thousand years, not even the next ten thousand. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years and countless of generations of a clean yeah, energy yeah. source. Yeah. And All right, I, we've, I we've, that, we've got about thirty seconds left. Is there anything else you want to uh, tell our listeners here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, you know, fusion to me is an answer. It's, it's part of the answer. Uh, we still need to a cut back on our fossil fuel consumption. B, use uh, renewable sources, but also we need to invest for long-term. And I think our long-term means don't look at your own generation. Let's look at for the next three, four, five, 10, 50 generations down the road. Absolutely. Right. Well, right. we hey, can't. I hate to cut you off. We're definitely <laughs> going to ask you back. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, Mark Andrew Henderson from Eater. Uh, hey, folks, this has been the Solar Coaster. Uh, we are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. A couple technical difficulties on this show, but we pulled it off. Uh, nice job, Jay. Thank you, uh, Mark. And uh, hey, folks, have a wonderful Aloha Friday weekend.